0: let me invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verse 23, through chapter 3, verse 21. Reading from God's Holy Word. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe... How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We thank you, Father, for the great gifts that you've given to us, mainly Christ our Savior, your Holy Spirit, and your Word. We thank you for your Word, for through it we are instructed in the manners of life, eternal life, of salvation. We pray this day that you would bless our hearts during this time of preaching, that they indeed might be enlightened, and we might come to understand in a far greater fashion the great work of salvation that Christ has provided for us. We pray these things in Jesus' most blessed and holy name. Amen. The Philippian jailer in, or in Acts chapter 16 cried out in distress, petitioning, what he had to do to be saved. Paul and Silas responded, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That, in a nutshell, is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was true when it was first spoken by the Apostle Paul and Silas. It is also true today. Faith in Jesus Christ is that which provides salvation for us. While that is a very simple command to believe, yet there are some areas that we need to explore concerning the nature of this belief. And to explain to us what it is to truly believe in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle John, in this gospel, in the first three chapters presents us with two groups of people who believed in our Lord Jesus Christ, but who were dramatically different in their faith. Now the first group is to be found in chapter 1, beginning with verse 19, running through chapter 2, verse 12, where Jesus performs the miracle of changing water into wine. The second group is immediately introduced to us in an introductory fashion, beginning in chapter 2, verse 13, running through chapter 3, verse 21. My intention is actually to speak concerning the second group, but out of necessity, it is important and necessary that we understand both groups and how they differ. When we turn to the first group of those who believed in our Lord Jesus Christ, their faith consisted of two very essential elements. Both of those elements are presented to us by John the Baptist in his preaching. For example, in verse 19 of chapter one, John sees Jesus and he says, "Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away." the sins of the world. Actually, that is verse 29. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Here, the work of our Lord Jesus Christ is described. His work is to take away, to deal with the matter of sin. The title that is given to him in this particular office in the Old Testament was known as the Messiah. In the New Testament, it's Christ. Now, the second element in the faith that John the Baptist preached is found also for us in verse 34, where he says that he testifies that this Jesus is the Son of God. To further develop the faith that John the Baptist is preaching, The Apostle John gives us illustrations or examples of those who heard and believed. For example, there is the matter of Simon, the brother, or not Simon, but uh, Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. And he comes in verse 41, and he speaks to his brother Peter, and he says, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. Now the second example that is provided for us in this text is down in verse 49 where Nathanael confesses and states that Jesus is the son of God. Those two elements are that which consisted of the faith of these men, the faith that John the Baptist preached. But the Apostle John is not done in simply providing an illustration of those two men who believe. No further, he goes over into one of the great events of Christ's ministry, and that was the changing of the water into wine. As a result of that, in verse 11 of chapter 2, we read his disciples believed in him now they believed in him when they heard the preaching of John the Baptist and the preaching of Jesus and now they are said to believe again here we see the progression of faith that takes place this is the way that God works in the lives of those who come to faith in Jesus it's at first in an infantile stage but in the course of time it matures and develops so that these men here in this first chapter, are said to have believed what John the Baptist said. Now it's noteworthy that when you come over to the concluding or toward the conclusion of the book of John in chapter 20, John tells us the reason why he wrote this gospel. He says, In verse 31 that he wrote it that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God and that believing you may have life in his name now notice there are those two elements once again the element of recognizing that Jesus is the Christ the anointed one who comes to save us from our sins and that he is also the Son of God I call your attention back to Acts chapter 16 where Paul and Silas told the Philippian jailer, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. There, the apostle Paul brings together Jesus as the Lord, the one who deals with our sins, and Jesus who is the Son of God. Those two elements are essential, you see, for Christianity for the matter of salvation. On the basis of what John the Apostle says and what Paul says in the book of Acts, we do not simply believe that Jesus is the Messiah without believing also that he is the Son of God. And neither do we believe that he is the Son of God without believing that he is the Messiah. This is the basis, you see, of the Christian faith. This is the matter of salvation. After having developed or presented this first group, the Apostle John introduces the second group. And that second group appears when Jesus goes to Jerusalem where he performs his miracles and also preaches about his death and his resurrection. In verse 22... Rather, I'm sorry, verse 23 of chapter 2, we read Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. Now, here you have people responding to the miracles that Jesus performed. John tells us that they believed in him. This is the same word that is used up in chapter 2, verse 11 as a response of Jesus' miracles when the disciples are said to believe. This is the same word believe that is found over in John chapter 20 where the apostle John tells us the reason for his writing this gospel. They saw in Jesus the hand of God and they believed that he was sent from God. But now you'll notice something extremely interesting about uh, their response to Jesus. In verse twenty-four, again, chapter twenty, uh, chapter two, Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew what was in them. Now, Jesus had committed himself to those who heard Paul, who heard John the Baptist preaching; those who believed that he was the Lord, those who believed that he was a Christ. He committed himself to them. But interestingly here even though these people are said to have believed in him Jesus does not commit himself to them. He does not take the same kind of care in dealing with them that he dealt, that he gave with the first group. It's also interesting to notice that in verse 24 where we read that jesus did not commit himself that word commit is actually the word believe and so it could be translated jesus did not entrust himself to them or we might render the translation jesus himself did not believe in them they believed in him but he did not believe in them. I want to skip over momentarily to the sixth chapter of John, where we have these two groups of believers coming together in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. The first group was that, uh, the first group in this chapter are those who believed in Jesus because of the miracles. The second group in this chapter are those who believed at the preaching of John the Baptist. The first group who believed in Jesus because of the miracles requested that he perform another miracle that they might believe him. Jesus refused to do so. Instead, he preached to them about himself. And because what he had to say was hard for them to accept and understand, we are told that these disciples departed and walked no more with him. Now the saying must have also been difficult and hard for the group who believed the preaching of John the Baptist. And Jesus asked them in verse 67 of chapter 6, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Now notice, the initial group believed because of preaching. The second group believed in because of the miracles, the demonstration of power. And we might be inclined to think that those who saw the miracles and believed were were stronger and more certain than those who simply believed the preaching. But that is not the case. I want to take you back now, once again, to chapter 2 and 3. We noted there, in verse 23, that... A number of people, possibly a great number of people, believed in him because they saw the miracles. They recognized the hand of God. But we are told that Jesus, because he is divine, did not believe in them because he knew what was in man. Now, just as the Apostle John provided examples of two men who heard the preaching of John the Baptist and embraced Jesus as John offered him, we find that John the Apostle now provides us with a man to demonstrate the other group who believe because of the miracles. And that man is presented for us in chapter 3. Now you of course are aware that the Bible was not divided originally into chapters. That came about in the 13th century. And some of those divisions, well, they are helpful. But some of those divisions are also counterproductive. And I think that here is one, because there should not be a break in our thinking between the end of our current chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3. What John the Apostle is doing here is presenting us a man... Who believed in the miracles of Jesus. And notice in verse 2 what this man says to Jesus. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. A very impressive testimony. We know. He doesn't use the word believe. Perhaps the word know expresses something even more concrete. We know. We we have been able to see and determine that no man can do these things that you are doing unless God is with him. This man was extremely important He was a ruler of the Jews, and he would not have been easily deceived. But did he really believe in Jesus? Well, the answer to that question is no. You'll notice in verse 12 of chapter 3, If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? The Gospel of John has been called the Gospel of Belief. The word believe appears 98 times in this Gospel, in 83 verses, over and over and over again. The Apostle John emphasizes believe. And now, here we have Jesus saying to Nicodemus, you do not believe what I've told you. You don't believe. Now, I realize that this is probably a little different approach to Nicodemus than what we're used to. But I think that if you look at the context of it, you must conclude, as I have, that Nicodemus was not a true believer in Jesus. To be sure, he's mentioned three times in In the Gospels, or in this Gospel, Uh, unregenerate man, unregenerate men can indeed and do recognize, oftentimes, the hand of God and speak concerning God. That does not guarantee that they have this saving faith which brings salvation. If he did not believe in Jesus, what did he believe? Well. We know what he believed. We know what he believed because the Apostle John immediately tells us in chapter 3, verse 1, the first thing about him was the fact that he was a Pharisee. And the Pharisees had some doctrines that they believed. Nicodemus, to sum it up, believed in himself. There were two things that he believed as he believed in himself first of all he believed that his birth as a jew was really all he needed he was privileged to be a descendant of abraham now the apostle paul over in the book of romans indeed does speak very highly of the benefits that belong to the jews because they had the word of God and they had the the promises of the covenant and a number of things. But that does not guarantee, you see, salvation. People are born privileged. Recently I heard a well-known talk show host say that he was born a Christian. It does not mean that he had come to faith in Christ but he by virtue of his family because of his church connections was born a Christian so one thing that Nicodemus believed was that by virtue of his birth he had a right to the kingdom of God and salvation but now there is there was a second thing that Nicodemus believed that the Pharisees held highly to And that was the the fact of works. They believed in a works righteousness. They believed in a works salvation. They believed that they were justified because they kept the law of God. In the Old Testament, there are 613. (coughs) Excuse me. There are 613 laws. 365 of them are prohibitions. Thou shalt not, for example, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal. The other 248 were expressed in a positive fashion. For example, honor your father and your mother and so forth. And so the Jews believed that in keeping these laws, they had righteousness. They were justified in the eyes of God. Well, that was false. Now, the reason I mention what the Pharisees believe like this, the advantage of their birth and their good works, is because Jesus deals with the subject of birth and works in John chapter 3 you'll notice in verse 3 the first thing that Jesus says to him most assuredly I say to you unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of God that flew counter to what Nicodemus and the Jews believed it wasn't sufficient to be born a, a descendant of Abraham Nicodemus doesn't understand it. And so Jesus, in verse 5, expresses it again. He says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, verse 3 and verse 5 are saying the same thing. But Jesus, in verse 5, is simply expanding what he said in verse 3. To be born again, in verse 3, means the same thing, to be born of water and the Spirit. Some have suggested that water here refers to the Old Testament washings, or maybe even Christian baptism, but that is not the case. For water is a symbol of the Spirit of God. If you'll look at the water as it appears in the Gospel of John... It refers to the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist comes baptizing, and but he says that there will one, the one who follows him will come baptizing with the Holy Spirit. Uh, here in the second chapter, you have Jesus turning water into wine. And we conclude that the water was symbolic of wine. Wine expresses the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 3, you have the same thing. And on and on it goes. In John chapter 4, the woman at the well comes and Jesus promises her living water. What is that living water? It is the Holy Spirit. So, uh, the water and the Spirit are referring to the same things. It's called exegetical. It's a repetition of the same thing using a different word. Now, Nicodemus was familiar with the idea of the new birth. This language was used in the conversion of Gentiles to the Jewish faith. When a Gentile converted, the males were circumcised and then the entire family was washed or sprinkled with water and that sprinkling with water was called the new birth. Nicodemus was flabbergasted How could one who was a Jew be born all over again as a Jew? Well, the message is born of the Spirit of God, born from heaven, not born of the earth. And so Jesus establishes the fact that birth of any kind in this world is insufficient and unsatisfactory for entrance into the kingdom of God. No, it requires the renewing work of God's Holy Spirit well Nicodemus as I have said did not believe what Jesus had to say and as Jesus in verse 12 emphasizes or points out that Nicodemus did not believe beginning in verse 13 he addresses the subject of work Nicodemus believed that works would save him But beginning in verse 13 and following to the end of verse 21, the subject is work. It is the work of God. Jesus here in verse 14 says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, you know this story of Israel's rebellion in the wilderness? And as a judgment, God sent serpents among them, to bite them and people died those who looked to the serpent that Moses made and put on a staff were saved because they believed the promise of God they were saved not by their own works but they were saved by the work of God and in John chapter 3 we have that very significant verse For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. No, Nicodemus, there is a place for good works. We are, as the scripture says, redeemed to do good works. But it's not the good works that save us. It's not our works. It is the work of God. And so, Nicodemus sort of passes out of the passage. Nothing more is said about him, and it's rather strange. But Jesus continues on in verse 19. He says that those who love darkness rather than light, do not come to the work of God. No, they boast in their own works. And their own works, their good works, such as Nicodemus did, which uh, we've talked about, those works, when they are relied upon, even though they may be the works of God prescribed in the scripture, they become wicked works works because they become a substitute for the work of God in our salvation. And so a man may be thoroughly committed to doing good works, the good works that are mentioned in the scriptures themselves. But if he relies on those good works for his salvation they are nothing other than evil works because they offend God and they offer a substitute to God their own works what is it what is the nature of this faith that the scripture teaches it is not simply a uh, a general belief in Jesus it's a specific belief in Jesus it's a belief that embraces the fact that That he is the Christ, the one whom God sent from heaven to make atonement for sin. It's also necessary that one embrace and recognize the fact that Jesus is none other than the very Son of God. Only the Son of God, only one who has been anointed by the Spirit as Christ can provide salvation for us. And this is the message of the Christian church historically. This is the message of the Bible. This is the message that is preached here at Mid-Cities Orthodox Presbyterian Church. It would do us good, each of us good, to examine the nature of our faith in Jesus are we like those who simply believe that he is, was an extraordinary man because of the great works that he performed, that he actually came from God but nothing else? Or is our faith a faith that embraces the gospel which the Apostle Paul and Silas and, and the, uh, uh, John the Baptist as well as the Apostle John preached here in the word of God. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, how we thank you for our Savior and for your word which enlightens us that we may understand this word. We thank you for your Spirit who enlightens our hearts to show us our sinful nature and draw us to Christ our Savior we ask this day that you would renew our commitment to jesus as our only savior and may we throughout the course of our days grow stronger in our faith and our commitment to the savior and may this this church this congregation these people in their individual lives be witnesses of the salvation the true salvation that comes to us Through Jesus, as the Christ and as the Son of God, we pray these things in Jesus' most blessed and holy name. Amen.